بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا لا يوم الدين أما بعد We were on the section about nasiha دين النصيحة نصيحة The deen is nasiha Goodwill That is what I think is the preservation of the deen is in nasiha The ulama what they do is nasiha essentially but it looks like it's only the ulama. If anybody's doing nasiha, it seems like only the ulama are doing nasiha. That's on Fridays. And that's as a, for, uh, a formality. Unfortunately, nasiha in everyday life is uh, no longer around because um, Muslims have also, as I said, uh, fallen prey to the whole modern, uh, uh, postmodern um, dimension, which is that. See, modernity tried to create universals, that everything must be based on rationalism. That didn't work. So then it said everything must be based on empiricism. And again, that, they found that that couldn't be possible. And then they went through uh, exist, uh, existentialism. And again, that didn't work. What it is, is that some things are rational, some things can be proven empiric empirically, and some things existentially, but not everything. And there are many dimensions that are beyond that. So now, modernity now breaks up, and the post-modernity post is a critique of modernity. In the sense that you can't have universals. They went the other dimensions. Everybody must have their own set of morals. You can't have a universal set of morals. The science had brought them the atom bomb. Look how many people it create, it killed. Science had been able to cause the Holocaust. They blamed that on science. You know, to be able to kill so many people at once. So then that whole idea kind of was critiqued. So now we're in a post-post-modern world in a sense that everybody must have their own morality. And who are you to tell me? Who am I to tell you? As long as somebody says there's a Muslim, they are a Muslim, then let them be. That is sufficient. It's sufficient that I call myself a Muslim. I know my relationship between me and God. Which is essentially the same as what's happening with Christianity. That it's just about the heart. That the outside external manifestations of your deen don't really matter. Whereas Nasiha is supposed to be that I tell you, you tell me, and we're supposed to do it nicely. And it's supposed to be open, that it's supposed to be a trend, it's supposed to be the culture. So that if it's a culture, then it's easier. Today we'd be very, very surprised if somebody gives us nasiha, that we don't consider to be a superior of ours. And even people who are in a hierarchical position like that, even they have to be careful of what they say and who they say it to. This is where it's all going to. And look what he says, he says that, the one who gives you nasiha, who corrects you, guides you. Nasiha is very vast. It does, it's not just about correcting somebody. It's about telling somebody what is the better way for them. If they're doing something in an inferior way, then to tell them the superior way, in an enhanced way, how to better themselves. That's the whole idea. We know that some people don't come across well, even though if they mean well. Because that's when your personal nature comes into it. 
of how you do it. So there's two aspects here. One is the obligation of nasiha. The other one is the methodology you use and overcoming one's own nature, one's own way of doing things. So if somebody has a harsh way of telling people, then they have to soften it out. If somebody has a very, very loose way of telling people where you're not even making the point, right? Sometimes you say something, you're not even making the point. Like, okay, he didn't get it. And you think you've done a job. You know, you think you've fulfilled your responsibility. So a person has to come into moderation in that regard. And fine-tune themselves to see what is most effective. Some people are just very good at doing that. So know that the one who gives you nasiha, فَقَدْ أَحَبَّكْ then he has loved you. Meaning he really has goodwill for you. And the one who concealed it, who just flattered you, who glossed over it, who didn't really bring it up, then he is deceptive because he is just trying to maintain a short-term <coughs> relationship. He thinks long-term. But eventually it's going to come out that he should have told me. He didn't tell me. Then you're going to feel like, why didn't he tell me this? Right. Woman lam yaqbal falaysa bi Like anybody who doesn't accept your nasiha is not your brother. Of course, do it properly. And as a brother, of course, you, if you're constantly harshly telling somebody off, then it creates a barrier. That's just natural human. It can be anybody. It can be somebody you love. You'll break the love like that. You will destroy the love like that, even with your own spouse. So you need that. You can't just... You know. There's some people who get away with it. Because people are just used to it that, okay, that's how he's going to be. But then there are other reasons why you must love them. Like your father. It's not the most effective way to do something. What I've seen is, I've seen two brothers, parents, two, two brothers. They're both parents now. One just gives it as it is all the time. Doesn't beat around the bush at all. The other one is very calm, hardly, you know, like, it will, only, uh, it will only tell them off, his children, when it really is necessary. And that is, you know, in a very measured kind of way. However, the second one has done more harm in some cases than the first one. See, with the first one, when you're in that relationship, you realize that that's how you have to be. But then he's a very generous person, he's helped them in many other ways, so then... It's about trying to balance the harshness with the kindness. So the people get it. His children get it. He says all sorts of bitter things. But they can take it. That's how he is. They see through it and they understand what he's trying to say. Of course, it does tick them off sometimes, no doubt. The other one, he hardly says anything. But then on one occasion, he said something. And it hurt the child so much that they're not even speaking together. They're not used to it. Now the same things could be said by the first father tens of times. But it's seen as just spiced up. It's just seen as harshness coming through. You understand what he means. The second one is different. Humans, very complex creatures. That's why one needs to be very, very careful. That's why we make big mistakes online. Because you can't show emotion. A human being is not just voice. For the majority of human history, you didn't have a phone. You didn't have telecommunication. It was just either personal or letter written. 
which is very similar actually in that sense. But in a letter, you're thinking much more than when you dash off a quick email or give a quick response on WhatsApp. I've regretted things I've said. You get something at the heat of the moment, you just quickly send a response. And when it's a letter, you have to write it out. And from that time then to seal it up, go and post it. By that time you may reconsider, no, let me scrap this, let me do it again. So you can see how there are so many complications here. That's why trying to balance the character, reading more about Islam, our, our akhlaq and so on helps in all of these forms of communication. So anybody who doesn't accept your nasiha, he is not your brother. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu says, لا خير في قوم ليسوا بناصحين that there is no goodness in a people who are not counseling one another. There's no goodness whatsoever because nobody will enhance. The community will deteriorate. Nobody's telling anybody else. Everybody's uh, trying to turn a blind eye to others. And then what happens is once one wrong takes place in a community, somebody else will want to do it as well. One of the reasons why we're told not to even accuse somebody of zina and there is a punishment just for uh, uh, falsely accusing and not meeting the criteria for a, a solid case, which is four witnesses that have seen the act. One of the reasons I find in there, of course, is the protection of people from false slander. But on the other hand, it ties into the whole La Taqrabu Zina concept. That it's not just La Taznoon, like don't you know, like la taznu, don't, don't, don't uh, uh, commit zina, don't even go close to it. When somebody mentions that, oh, he is a loose person, he's committed zina with so and so. What happens in other communities, and I've seen this, they, uh, they, they feel the same that, oh, this person is loose, and they feel they can do the same thing. Emotionally makes it an acceptable thing. And the whole sexual revolution, according to one thesis, can be put down to this fact that they, uh, the Kinsey report uh, gave all of these statistics that there's this many people who are into this particular fetish, this many people of uh, of the this much percentage of the population uh, have these uh, fantasies, and these people are those who've done them. So now, if you're a person who's had these issues, just fantasies, when you see, oh, there's 40% of the people think like that. 60% of the people think like that. I'm not abnormal anymore. 20% 20 20 of those have tried it. So you get ideas. This is how shaitan works. When you're shown a way to do something, then people take it. That's why today it's much more difficult for people to live and suppress certain evil thoughts that they have. Because it's become a narrative. It's become something you can relate to. For example, when there was rampant racism, it was bad, but people got people dealt with it. Look, they, they were bad, they were extremes, but generally other people dealt with it. Right? And now, there's not as much racism. There still is, but there's not as much. But people are a lot more vocal about even the bit. And they, they should be, if it's serious, they should be, of course, they should be. But being overly sensitive, 
such that people can't even speak them without and and sometimes no racism is intended at all but it's just that once it becomes a big issue then people get very sensitive to it because then they tie themselves into that whole group mentality and thus they feel like that and they make a big thing out of nothing that's the time we live in so we're gonna have to uh, start some kind of nasiha which is to tell somebody like you see somebody next to you who's praying wrong scratching too much movement too much inside his salat is breaking I mean how many of you would feel comfortable tell somebody that brother I think you, you should pray your salat again how many of you would feel comfortable doing that would you feel comfortable right. you know what I do I've told a few people I told somebody just uh, two days ago it was but there was a kid in the madrasa so that was easier right I've told people but now what I do is I just close my eyes like you know when they sh- because it's a task I notice these things so I close my eyes and hoping that when I open them up again he stopped or even if he's doing it again then husnuddin that he put his hand away and uh, back and then he's doing it another time which is a separate occasion then right but if I see somebody's like blatant you know because somebody you can feel it that they've got their hand up there and then you know, then I will have to tell him I turn around and say brother you know of course we should start probably from the more serious things there's an effort that requires there's an effort that's required in that there's an effort that's required in that in fact yesterday one of the things that we're definitely missing subhanallah I've never thought about it this way is that we're always talking about being oppressed right Muslims are always talking about being oppressed but if you look at it another way we are the oppressors do you know how we're the oppressors we've not even thought about sharing our faith Every day, 120, 30,000 people are dying around us. And they're all going to Jahannam. And we don't even think about that. That is another nasir. That, that's what the Prophet came for. We're just satisfied with the group that we have. We're just working among them. Our entire focus is them. And very few people focus on the other. We've condemned them to hell. We think they are oppressing us, but we are actually oppressing them. And that's why Kuntum Khaira Ummatin Munkar. It's a condition. This is a conditional statement according to some of us. That you are the best Ummah if you're gonna do Amr al Ma'ruf and Nahi Anil Munkar, if you're gonna do that Nasiha. And if you don't, then you're gonna be done Nasiha too. You are either the Da'i or you are either the Mad'u. You are either the fa'il or you are either the maf'ul. You are either going to actively doing something or it's going to be done to you. And it's essentially what we find ourselves in. And uh, yesterday there was a talk by Maulana Kaleem Siddiqui from India. And he is the one guy who's got an organized system to do da'wah among non-Muslims. In, and doing da'wah in, Hindu, in Hindus in India is much more difficult than to do it in the UK or in the West to Christians or Westerners in general. You don't get Hindus don't become Muslim as easily. Very difficult. They have such a caste culture that it's very difficult. There are two groups that are very difficult. Um, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Jewish community because they've got a very strong community. It's very difficult to get out of that. Right? The other one is the Hindu community. 
uh, it's very difficult but he's had amazing success and he says that what I what I found is that when you give da'wah you have to remember that you are doing the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what he sent his prophets for so when Musa salam asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when Allah tells him that you need to go to Pharaoh so what uh, what does Musa salam say he says um, I want you to send with me my brother Haruna Akhi my brother he he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a number of things and Allah says Qad ya Musa. you've already been given so uh, in doing da'wah you've already been given like you are already Allah is on your side because you're doing what he wants you to do what this ummah is supposed to be doing he says you'll be surprised that you see my personal thing is that I know this is one area I am neglecting I'm, I, I just don't know how to do da'wah let's put it that way I've, I've suffered thinking about this that I can sp- speak to Muslims I just find it very difficult to speak to non-Muslims about Islam just don't know how to do it and he says that if you don't have the intention and the confidence then you'll, you won't know what to say once you have that confidence Allah will make you say something and he gave a number of examples, some amazing examples. He said the other thing is that you should always make yourself feel, regardless of the situation, you should give yourself the confidence that I am the da'i, I'm playing my part, I am acting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in a superior, superiority way, but in a way that I'm here to help the situation. I am the da'i and he is the mad'u. He is the invited one, I am the inviter. And he says, you'll see that psychologically the whole balance will change. He said, once some police picked him up for something, right? And he was in a car or whatever the case is. So he said, it was the first time I was picked up by a police. So I was very, very, I was a bit afraid first. Like, what's going to happen? Because in India, you know, they could do anything to you. right? So then he said, um, I remembered what I'm telling people that, you know, you need to be confident. So as soon as I thought about that, then I sat up, I was sitting like this until now, like this or whatever. He said, I sat up like that, you know, relaxed, put my back to the seat properly. And he says, I'm not used to putting one leg over the other leg, you know, and you're really relaxed. But he goes, I did that just to show that I'm very relaxed. And I started speak. I, I put the light on and says, like, do, do, you, do you expect me to be like somebody who does these things that you're thinking? So the guy goes, no, 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 I'm just following orders or whatever. And then he started speaking. And he said, by the end of it, the guy took the kalima at the, at the police station. Right? There's numerous stories that he told. And, you know, he's, he's, I think he's got seven or eight volumes of his books about the conversions. It's quite amazing. And to be honest, we're just fighting, putting out fires until we do this job. We're just going to be constantly putting out fires. If we don't do this job, we're just going to be constantly putting out fires. It's just going to be a constant, endless, because they don't understand us and we're not trying to tell them who we are. We're just telling them we're not terrorists. That's all we're telling them. But they don't understand why we dress the way we do, why we're different, why we are like this and what we can bring to the table.
He says there's two things you must do. Right? One is you must pray for the people that you are thinking about, <coughs> your neighbors, whoever they are. You must make dua for them. That's what Abu used to do. And number two, when you go out of the house, you should do istihdar. You should bring into your mind this ayah, kuntum khayra ummatin, and you go out like that. I just don't know how it's going to work, but that's what he says. He says, if you can't, it's very difficult to remember that each time. Put a plaque outside your house, a paper outside your house. This is what it is. To remind you. Because you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. He says, every day people are going to, people are dying. You've got no concern for them. So who is the oppressor right now? You've got something and you don't give it to anybody. You don't even tell them about it properly with a view that they share it. It's not even part of our minds. Really, yesterday I just listened to that and I thought, what a... Are we wasting our time? Are we wasting our time? And this is not... He's not telling him that this is the job of the ulama. This is the job of everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy for us and accept us for that. Allahumma anta salam anka salam tabarakatiyat al-jilhali wa likram. Allahumma ya hayya ya qiyum wa rahmatika nastabit. Allahumma ya hannam ya alimman la ilaha illa anta subhanaka ima kunna minal zalimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, we ask you for your guidance. Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness. Oh Allah, we ask you to make us worthy of your mercy and your blessings. Oh Allah, we ask you for your blessing. Oh Allah, you have blessed us with our Iman, with our Islam. Oh Allah, grant us true piety, true purity. Oh Allah, grant us taqwa in our hearts. Allah grant us true taqwa in our hearts. Oh Allah forgive us and our parents. Oh Allah bless us and our parents and our teachers and our students. Oh Allah our relatives and our friends. And oh Allah all those who expect us to make dua for them. Oh Allah bless them all. Oh Allah we ask you to make us true representatives of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah accept our gathering here. Oh Allah this is a gathering with so much inconsistencies, with so much, with so much weakness. But oh Allah, we're gathering here for your sake. Oh Allah, make it truly for your sake. Oh Allah, grant us all sincerity. Grant us all closeness to you. Grant us all blessing. Oh Allah, grant us all blessing. Oh Allah, make this a means of our entry into Jannatul Firdaus and closeness to you. Oh Allah, make this a source of our closeness to you. Make us a source of our closeness to you. Oh Allah, we ask you for ease in the place that we have to make it, to facilitate it for us. Oh Allah, with ease, oh Allah, and save us and safeguard us and all of our projects from all the evil that is out there. Oh Allah, we ask you for protection. We ask you for divine guidance. We ask you for tawfiq. Oh Allah, make all of our stages of this life and the stages of the hereafter easy for us. And grant us the company of your Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, grant you abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.